You're listening to the Satanic Temple Ministries Religious Services. In each service, ministers of Satan discuss a single topic related to Satanic religious life. Services are held twice a week on Tuesday and Saturday. For more information, go to satanicministry.com. I am Minister Circe Andromeda. I use they, them pronouns. Today is September 5th, 2023. And our topic today is the power of choice, being mindful of the company you keep. Let's start today's service with our invocation. Let us stand now unbowed and unfettered by arcane doctrines born of fearful minds and darkened times. Let us embrace the Luciferian impulse to eat of the tree of knowledge and dissipate our blissful and comforting delusions of olds. Let us demand that individuals be judged for their concrete actions, not their fealty to arbitrary social norms or illusory categorizations. Let us reason our solutions with agnosticism in all things, holding fast only to that which is demonstrably true. Let us stand firm against any and all arbitrary authority that threatens the personal sovereignty of one or all. That which will not bend must break, and that which can be destroyed by truth should never be be spared its demise. It is done. Hail Satan. Today we gather to explore a topic often overlooked in the realm of Satanism the importance of being mindful of the company we keep. As Satanists, we embrace individualism, critical thinking, and personal growth. In this service, we will delve into how the company we choose to surround ourselves with can shape our journey, influence our beliefs, and impact our pursuit of enlightenment and personal happiness. In Satanism, We value the power of choice and the freedom to shape our own paths. However, we must acknowledge that the people around us can significantly influence our thoughts, actions, and beliefs. Just as the serpent tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden, those around us can sway our perspectives and lead us astray from our true desires and goals. Therefore, it is crucial to be mindful of the company we keep ensuring they align with our values and support our individual growth. As Satanists, we challenge societal norms and embrace our individuality. By surrounding ourselves with like-minded individuals who share our passion for critical thinking and self-expression, we create an environment that encourages us us to question the status quo and challenge oppressive systems. Our companions should inspire us to explore new ideas, expand our knowledge, and push the boundaries of conventional thinking. Satanism places great importance on personal growth and empowerment. Our company can either hinder or facilitate this process. Associating with individuals who support our journey, encourage our ambitions, and respect our autonomy can provide a nurturing environment for personal growth. Conversely, being in the company of those who undermine our goals or impose their own expectations can hinder our progress. It is essential to choose companions who empower us 
to embrace our true selves, pursue our passions, and achieve our full potential. Satanism celebrates the pursuit of individual happiness and fulfillment. We reject the notion of sacrificing our own desire for the sake of others, surrounding ourselves with individuals who understand and respect our desires, aspirations, and boundaries create a positive and supportive environment. Our companions should inspire us to embrace our passion, celebrate our uniqueness, and prioritize our own well-being. It is also important to remember that while Satanism celebrates individual happiness and fulfillment, a lot of us are responsible for large congregations of people. It is entirely possible for a bad apple in our association to poison those we are directly responsible for. If we find ourselves in these situations, it is, in, it is vital we ensure the safety and security of those around us, especially when they come to us, letting us know how they have been hurt. Compassion and empathy towards all within reason is vital, and it is absolutely satanic to admit our faults and rectify harmful situations. We should also be careful that we do not allow ourselves to fall into echo chambers. While it is comforting to hear words of agreeance, it is also vital within our satanic growth to have our opinions and mindsets challenged. We cannot grow as Satanists or individuals unless we are open to our outlook on certain things being changed by concrete evidence when it is presented to us. We also must remember that we cannot allow our spaces to become places to hoard garbage we do not need. Blind acceptance of all can be just as dangerous to ourselves and our community as the operating within echo chambers. We must always remember our boundaries. Hail Satan, hail Lilith, hail choice. Tonight, I'd like to kick off our discussion by asking each person on this panel has your say has your personal or satanic growth ever been hindered by an individual or a group close to you? All right. Well, I can actually. Oh, go ahead, Capro. You're muted. How's that? Can you hear me now? All right. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, my knee jerk reaction is to say yes. Um, but well, actually, technically, technically, no. Um, but I think what's worse than that is that so many people in my life have tried. Um, and I think that's horrible. Like, uh, in the pagan community, for example, like I was repeatedly told, like, you can't do these things and you shouldn't be doing these things. Like, you can't just start your own religious tradition. You can't just make your own rituals. You can't just 
create your own religious symbols. You can't just start your own church. You can't just go be a pagan prison chaplain. And yet I did all of those things and I was very happy and satisfied and successful with those things. The people closest to me when I said, they're like, what are you doing? I'm going to go get my master's degree. And I'm like, oh, Capro. Like, you don't even have a call. You don't even have a high school diploma. How do you think you're going to get a master's degree? Well, gee, I don't know. I guess maybe the same way everybody else did by getting a, a GED and then working my way up and doing my undergrad. And like, these are close friends that are like, oh, you're so silly. How are you supposed to get a master's degree? You know, like, um, uh, naked and afraid, a 21 day challenge. Um, the people closest to me in my life were like, dude, you shouldn't, you can't do that. Like, that's not a good idea. Like, I went out in the woods with you for four hours once. You're not very good at that stuff. Like, you just shouldn't. I've had so many people in my life try to discourage me, um, from doing the things that I just felt drawn to and, and impelled to do in my life. Um, if I would just listen to everyone who ever hindered my growth, I would have literally no stories to share with anybody about anything. Um, and I think that's the real shame is that it's the people that are oftentimes closest to us that are the ones that make an effort to hold us back for various reasons. Um, and I think the real shame is that is only when we let them. Awesome. Thank you for that. And I, I, I agree. It, it tends to be the people closest to you. And they usually have what they think are good reasons to protect you, so on, so forth. They usually don't mean it from a bad place. But, you know, it's always one of those, it, it, it does, it, it would be better if they kept it to themselves. Zero, I saw that your hand was up. Did you want to add some? Yeah, um, Capra brought up a point uh, about trying um, and then you just doing it. Um, you know, for me, it was often, you know, I haven't seen uh, teacher or someone above me, right? Um, uh, when I turn something for myself or something to improve myself, you know, like I work out and they just tell me, like, oh, what are you doing? Um, like, you doing, like, there's no point to doing that. It's a waste of time, you know. And Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Damon. I've most of the pushback I've had uh, from uh, basically, shoot, you know, deciding that realizing that I was a Satanist all along and then trying to uh, tell people that that's what my life is. Uh, has, most of the pushback has been from People who are, well, it's it's due to a stigma because people assume that me being a Satanist means something that it doesn't. And that has made me really hesitant to share uh, that detail about my life. Like there's so many people I would not 
ever tell that I'm a Satanist. And it's because I'm pretty sure, and that may be on me, but I'm pretty sure that if I were to bring it up, uh, there would be, you know, there would be a huge reaction. My therapist did the very same thing. It's like that's supposed to be the definition of a safe space. And she basically thought, you know, I was, you know, I thought it's like my religion was nothing more than a joke. So I thought, okay, uh, not going to see you anymore. That was basically how I treated that. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Elena. Yeah, so I can relate to a lot of that in my community now as an adult, like in real life, like it's very much super accepting. Most of my friends are okay with it. But in the past, like I definitely have relatives that have tried to hold me back because growing up as a huge scene kid and teachers or some Catholic family members would assume anyone that wore dark clothing or wore a certain style of makeup, that means they were a bad person or did drugs. And I had to repress that side of myself and just like conform to the community I was in. But as an adult, now that I have more choice, I can kind of pick the people I want to be around now. And surprisingly enough, the most pushback I've had in the last like year was a couple of atheist friends that were kind of like scared of it. And I think that's so silly because as an atheist, like that shouldn't like be as scary as versus like a Christian where it's in the Bible that the devil is evil and they have to hate certain types of people. But I just think it's interesting to see people's reactions now. And I feel kind of lucky that because I know people in other more conservative areas, they have to like hide themselves more or they would get disowned by their entire family. So I definitely wouldn't judge anybody for hiding being a Satanist, like especially in today's climate where people are getting kind of panicky again. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Kirk, did you have something to add? I saw you had raised your hand. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, I was thinking, I wonder how much the hindering by an individual or group is so much like who I am as a person and how I behave and the norms of the group. Um, and perhaps like there's nothing actually like wrong or like intentionally hindering or even like implicitly trying to hinder. But there does seem to be some type of question between, okay, well, how can a person um, be involved in a group um, when those norms are sometimes different from how the person behaves? That definitely, that, that's a good question. That's a good one to reflect on. Um, so next question. How do you personally ensure you're not follow, falling into an echo chamber, be it within Satanism, your personal life, or other groups that you're involved with? 
Capra? Um, I guess, um, hmm. it was never really a problem. Like I, I, I try to avoid them. The echo chambers is where like critical thinking goes to die. Um, there's too few opportunities for like demarcation. Um, and it's why like, I don't know, echo chambers is, they do more harm than good. Like they're comfortable. Like you had, uh, you had, you know, talked about how, you know, they feels good and they're comfortable. Um, but comfort can create crisis. It, I think that comfort, that kind of emotional and intellectual comfort, um, weakens our minds. And so, um, Stephen Bradford Long, um, for anybody who's not listening to him and reading himself, reading his, his content, do yourself a favor. Um, it was last year. It was, I don't know if it was like September, October. No, I don't know when it was. It was in the fall, but last year he did, he published two articles about um, resilient reading. And I think the first one was um, like J.K. Rowling, resilient reading. And then he did one, I think he called it the art of resilient reading. Um, so, and I'll paraphrase, but basically his, his, um, his point was that we should read things that we don't agree with. Um, like it's which apply I think applies like the opposite of an echo chamber is go look for challenging concepts and challenging content that you disagree with. Um, uh, I also agree with the idea that it's helpful to think to understand and I'm interested in the thoughts of people that I disagree with and how they how they how and why they think the way that they do. Um, and I don't remember his his precise wording, but he basically said reading books that challenge your comfort zone um, because it's good for your mind, like it strengthens your mind. And, and I agree with that. The idea that I've always personally, I've always benefited from disagreeing with people um, and having conversations with people um, and identifying those things that I disagree with and then doing the work of demarcation to go, well, what is it about that that I think is incorrect? And if, I can pinpoint that and say, well, okay, so this is what I disagree with you on. I think I don't think that's true or possible. Well, then what's my answer to that? Why not? And doing that work is good and healthy and strengthens the mind. And so I will always choose uh, a passionate uh, disagreement over uh, a comfortable agreement in an echo chamber. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Zero, I saw that your hand was up. Yeah, kind of like um, like what uh, Kappa was saying, um, you know, uh, reading stuff that uh, you don't agree with. You know, I try to intake, uh, I guess, I try to diversify my information intake um, and uh, and just try to be open with ideas. Try to see uh, things from, especially things from other people's perspectives, um, other people's point of views. And I try to also be aware of my own bias, uh, as you could say. Um, you know, sometimes it could be hard because it's we're human, we're fallible, and um, I just sometimes try to keep mind. Keep in mind 
all this stuff, stuff, but that's hard. We're human. I think that's the most important thing to remember at the end of the day. We're all human. Um, Damon, I saw you were next. Yeah, I was actually uh, going to ask how to stay out of an echo chamber because that's, uh, I try to consider myself fairly uh, widely read about different topics, but I'm, you know, the fact that I'm uh, prone to reading about things that follow science and facts means there's a whole lot of discourse that I'm not privy to and doesn't make sense to me. So how, like, where are you picking up stuff that doesn't make you, I don't know, throw your computer at the wall in rage? So personally, for personally for me, uh, it's okay to seek material that gives you the ick in order to expand your mind. It's one of those things where you don't want to, you never want to go out of your way to seek and consume material that makes you uncomfortable. But at the same time, I feel like even though you probably are never going to agree with that material you seek out, it is important to know the mindset of the people that you don't agree with. And if that means reading, say, right-wing conspiracy theorists, I'm not going to call it news. I, I refuse to call it news, but content, then that is, it's okay because you're expanding, you're, you're expanding your mind on that. So it's just read things that give you the ick. Um, Elena, I saw you were, you were next and then Capra, I'll get to you after Elena. So for me, how I prevented myself from, I guess, going into an echo chamber, I can relate to wanting to throw my computer against the wall many times. But uh, it's just like I my previous career in social work and when I worked briefly in healthcare, meeting so many different people and hearing their life stories, it kind of changes your perspective of how they see the world, how they experience the world and stuff. And it's just like reality is different for each individual person. So what may be obvious to you might not be to them. You might have some like privileges that other people don't. So, you know, it's just like, it's just different like online or just meeting like a group of friends you always hang out with versus like meeting a group of complete strangers and trying to help them. And also like, you know, in healthcare, there's an oath where you have to treat everybody, even if it's somebody you hate or you, you think they're an awful person. So it kind of puts things in perspective and it kind of helps you put yourself in other people's shoes that you normally wouldn't, just from my experience. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Capro, did you want to add to that? Um, I did just, I just wanted to, um, I, well, I guess to start, like, I'm a big fan of phrasing and, um, I just wanted to compliment zero. I loved the, what did you say? Diversify my information intake. Like I wrote that down. Like I loved your phrasing. Um, so thank you for that. 
but also, Cersei, I wanted to um, just completely agree with you, especially about the icky. Like, um, it's um, doing the work of like, like what I was saying, and 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 also what you were saying. That idea of um, being open to unpleasant or contradictory ideas and information and beliefs and opinions um, from people we probably don't like. Um, I think it's good for us because if we are protected from it, then we don't, we lose our immunity to it when we do experience it because it's inevitable that we're going to encounter and experience um, some negative uh, some diversity that we're going to have a negative reaction to um, because there's just so much insanity out there. But I think um, like um, exposure therapy. Um, and I think that doing the work of like exploring those things, Jimmy um, um, Bedford Long was talking about that. Like he's like, you, you can read a book and, and occupy um, and, experience the thing in book form it's like i think he made the example of reading war and peace like um or crime and punishment and those kind of books where you don't have to commit the crime you can read a book about the crime and get the idea of it and so there's this um in doing that and having those experiences and having that critical thinking and following that train of thought and exploring that it's like crossfit for the brain and it's good for our emotional um immune system when it comes to not overreacting to those things when we do encounter them because eventually we will and i couldn't agree more thank you so much um so the next question i have for everybody uh how do you balance compassion for others while still pursuing individual happiness and fulfillment for yourself. Kirk. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, it seems like a little circular. I need to have some folks around me that care about me, you know, so I need to be compassionate towards them. Um, and always, um, sorry, that was just a message to me. (laughs) I got distracted. Uh, I'm terrible. I got distracted. Oh no, please excuse me. I forgot. We can circle back around when you remember. Zero, you want to go next? Yes. Uh, one thing I want to say, boundaries. Um, I think setting boundaries is really essential for maintaining a healthy sense of uh, yeah. healthy sense of Um, this healthy sense of self and for creating positive relationship with others. Um, um, it's important to be able to say no, you know, when you need to and not overwhelm yourself because 
you know, if you don't take care of yourself, who's care of you? Everything, you know, take care of yourself first, then the ones who need it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Elena, I saw that you had your hand raised. How I balance that would be definitely self-care. Another part of self-care is surrounding yourself with a good support system. Because if you're around a negative support system, no matter what, the self-care isn't going to work. And boundaries are extremely important because if you have no boundaries and you just follow like the herd, even when they're doing something wrong, then you end up yourself being not a great person either. So I definitely think compassion is important within reason. If it's just too much compassion and not enough self-care for yourself, then it can be just as bad as like it can cause just as da much damage if you're being like a bully or being malicious or something like that. So I think it's super important having a good sense of self and also like just not letting people like drain your energy when you don't feel like you can mentally handle it. So yeah, I definitely think all those things are important. I muted. I am so sorry. Thank you so much, Elena. Um, Kirk, can, did you want us to circle back to you? Yeah, thanks. Um, so speaking of circles, because that's when I, that's where I started with it. Uh, it seems kind of circular uh, where I need to give compassion to people around me that care about me because that's how I sustain a healthy relationship and also take care of myself. Uh, being a human being, I need to have relationships. I'm a social creature. Um, so it it's hard you know I, I need to care about other people to feel good about myself um because that's part of what having a healthy relationship is but i also need to take care of myself in a similar way uh and at what point do i need to make compromises uh that's a really difficult question um i'm not saying anything more than just uh yeah it's it's really difficult um and i appreciate everybody else's responses too yeah, it's definitely hard, especially when those people tend to be the people that you love. Um, Capro, did you want to go? Sure. Um, okay, so the question was, how do we balance compassion for others while still pursuing individual happiness and fulfillment? So my first thought was I personally don't experience conflict between compassion for others while I'm manifesting my own intentions. Um, but then uh, I have experienced conflict um, when other people uh, violate boundaries. Um, you know, they violate those boundaries and they insert themselves or um, enmesh themselves into my intentions and, and my plans like um, un, uninvited. And so, um, and so what everyone, you know, um, Elena and Zero both really, um, spoke very good about the idea of boundaries, which, um, 
I think there's a okay. So where is it? There's this book called The Book of No, because uh, I was very bad with boundaries, um, and I feel like this book was written to call me out because um, it talks about how we're conditioned and groomed from childhood. Uh, I'm Gen X, so like everybody's mileage may vary, but I was taught um, the first time I ever said no to anyone, it was to my parents, and I, you don't tell me no. Um, and then um, to like the family reunions, I don't want to touch the the icky, gross, scary, distant relatives I've never met before. Um, but I'm not allowed to have body autonomy. Don't be silly. Give your aunt a hug. Go sit on your un uncle's lap. Um, so I was taught from a very young age. The social contract was we don't have autonomy. We don't get to tell people no and and um, about anything, and we don't get to have safe space where we have to hug and touch and be touched by people that we don't know, don't like, are unsafe or scary or what, whatever it is. And so I can't speak for everybody, but I can say that's very much been my experience. Um, and that's what the book starts out with was the, um, the social contract of us not saying no to people and that being um, um, stigmatized. And so, because think about it, when someone asks us to do something that we really don't want to do, we generally say no, and we, like, I've done it, where I've just flat out lied and bullshitted, like, oh, I can't. Um, one of those distant relatives died. I, I have to go to a, a fake funeral. Um, because and we have to give a reason. Why, why no? We have to justify the boundary. And so the book really helps with addressing that, bringing that um, awareness of, oh, wow. Yeah. I was really programmed by society not to say no. And then I was in the military where you're literally brainwashed into following orders from superiors. So this book really helped me unprogram a lot of that thinking. And just by bringing awareness to it, um, helped. And then it also goes like, this is how you decline friends and family and all, all these different situations. And here's the technique and here's the mentality. And, and that made a really huge impact on me because as it turns out the most powerful word in every language is no the problem is that there's a difference between simple and easy and no is very simple as an idea but using it is uncomfortable and it's not easy um so with a lot of practice when i just say oh sorry no uh i'm not available people push the boundary well why not what are you doing why can't you? I, they expect the social contract of my bullshit excuse. And I, and I learned to call them on that. Like, what's a good answer for you? Because I've told you that I'm not available. Like, what's a good answer? Does someone have to be dead for me to, would that justify me not doing this thing for you? And it kind of calls them on, on their bullshit of why are you pushing on my boundaries? And so um, for anybody um, who could use some practice and some help with that. Um, again, this book, the book of no, it's really easy. And the uh, doctor, PhD, Susan Newman. Um, and it's a uh, seminal to my, my growth um, and uh, played a key role in what has become my Satanism. I'm going to have to check out that book, but I think an important thing for everybody to remember is that 
no is a complete sentence and you don't owe anybody an explanation and you don't have a right to ask for an explanation when someone simply tells you no. You might come off as an asshole to somebody when you tell them no, but that is their personal problem. That's not your problem. Um, Damon. I was going to say hail Capro because that book sounds amazing and something like I desperately need because I have exactly, uh, oh, also I'm a Gen X or two, hail Gen X, uh, but I have the opposite problem. I'm a people pleaser, so I always agree to things, uh, even though I like, and without even any kind of thought as to whether I should, uh, I wind up being double and triple booked for things just because I say yes to whatever. And it's that's people pleasing. That's a result of anxiety. That's a whole other thing I'm tackling with therapists. But yeah, that's a, but I have the opposite problem where I'm always saying yes to things. And I think learning to say no would probably be a really good thing because I have the social contract absolutely in really uh really is set up to prevent you from saying no to other people because it's not nice and yeah and being nice to other people i think should entail being honest to them about what your capabilities are because if you agree to if you agree to something and you don't have the spoons for it or don't have the time or you're already doing something else, then that's really crappy to do to someone else to agree to something that you could not have done. So that's uh, thank you for the book. I'm definitely getting that. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Damon. Um, so our next question is, should we reconsider our company if others bring to our attention they have been harmed by them? Elena. I've been in several situations where it's gone both ways. But um, the most, the situation that definitely springs in my mind is I had a friend that was dating an abusive person and then they broke up. And then the next girl he dated, he was like an angel too. And he was saying, oh, my ex was crazy. And what that was, was love bombing. And it the cycle continued and every other person he dated, he would be perfect, angelic, and he was super abusive and cruel. And like, we would try and warn people, some of them would listen and some of them wouldn't. But I'd say you definitely should take advice of your friends if there is somebody in your circle that is toxic or problematic at least consider it, you know, especially if multiple people are saying the same thing. So I definitely think that's very valuable data if like someone has a bad history with a lot of different people, for sure. 
I, I would definitely agree. Um, my ex was extremely abusive and I lost a lot of friends because they decided that it was acceptable because it didn't happen to them and they didn't think it would happen again. So you win some, you lose some, but that's where we went with that. Um, Capro. Yes. Okay. Um, so the question was, should we reconsider our company if others bring to our attention that they have been harmed by them? Yes. Uh, because considering something is not a decision. It's a process. Um, and anytime anybody's expressed harm, um, uh, ignoring that is um, wrong and irresponsible. Um, I don't care who they are. Um, I don't care who it is. If someone over here says, hey, this person that you're with had, had a not so good experience and um, there's something that needs to be investigated, um, you know, um, I'll turn into Colombo. Um, I just dated myself because you don't know who Colombo is. Um, but yeah, the Socratic method of asking questions and getting some information and seeing how that person who's been accused, you know, responds to that. And um we just have to trust our gut, but I think we have to do the work of investigating the, those those claims and those ideas, because if we're silent about them, then we're complicit, um, and then we're part of the problem. Um, Kirk. Thanks. Um, let me just go back to... I think the previous question and this question fit pretty well together. Um, so you had, should the question considered now is, should we reconsider our company if others bring to our attention, they have been harmed by them. And then the previous question was, how do you handle an individual who uncomfortably pushes your boundaries? Seems like those connections fit pretty well together because there's someone who's transgressing and doing something wrong. And there's a party that's the recipient of the, of the wrong. Uh, and we're asking about, well, how does the party respond uh, to the transgressor and how should the transgressor respond to us? Um, I, I, I have no idea. These are, all, <laughs> these are all really great questions because it depends on the harm. You know, It depends on how severe it is. It depends on who it's to. It depends on the relationships in the community, right? Um, there's so many things to consider, uh, but it's amazing that you're talking about and trying to address these types of things, um, not to put my opinion on any type of pedestal, but, uh, yep. I think you made a pretty good point with like what kind of harm did they do and I, I think it's going to be different for everybody what level of harm is acceptable to each individual because I think we're all pretty much in agreement that we don't put our hands on people we don't abuse people you know the the big stuff we don't do that to people and we can all pretty much be in agreement that that's not okay but then there's smaller transgressions that might individually harm a person or upset them but it might harm and upset you but it might not be a big deal to me 
or to the person next to me. And it's, that's the point where we need to step back and go, okay, I need to put myself in this other person's shoes and figure out what is, is this going to be a wider community issue? Is this something we should address further? Or is this something we should talk through and figure out a solution to where both of these people can be in the community or group of friends, whatever setting you're in together with a common solution? Um, Zero, did I see your hand raised a little early? Okay, go ahead. Um, short, uh, short reply to that question. Uh, yeah, I think we should reconsider our, our company, you know, as a Satanist, uh, I feel like it's kind of my duty to keep a safe space around me. And that, that's extremely important, um, coming from someone who is a leader and a minister, I have to step back. And when somebody comes to me with an issue with another person, which luckily our congregation is awesome. And this rarely happens. Thank you all so much for being chill. You really, you you really like serve up that Northern California chill. And I love it. You make it easy for me, but, um, you have to kind of disconnect from your friendship with that person and look at it from another point of view when they come to you with an issue, you you really have to, how am I going to protect you? How am I going to protect the rest of the people in this group? But also sometimes you have to look at a person and go, this sounds like a personal problem that I can't help you with. And you might need to work that out with the other person, or I'm happy to mediate if you need that. But this doesn't sound like it's going to be a congregation group-wide problem. But let's figure out something if it's not, like like I said, an extremely harmful situation. Um, going into another question that actually refers to our previous question, how would you handle a situation like that where um, you would be in a position either with your friend group or you yourself? How would you uh, handle a situation where someone comes to you and go, hey, Tom Dick Harry over here has done this indiscretion to me. How would you handle that? Capro. Okay. So my answer is a bunch of different ways, right? It, it depends on, it, it, it's been mentioned, it depends on, there's so much subtle nuances and context to any given uh, hypothetical event, right? And so, and you, Cersei, you made um, a really good point about the dynamics, but also the perception within the dynamics. Like this was a big ouch to this person that was made by this person. And then myself or other people may not see that as like, that's a little, your reaction is a little over the top. Like it doesn't call for that level of a hysteria. Like, you know, my, my gauge is that I feel like maybe you're trying to stir some stuff up. And that was the only excuse you possibly had. 
And so, um, so there's so many possible outcomes, but for myself, personally speaking, historically, um, I've removed individuals from my group dynamic for what I, what I considered to be, um, toxic, unhelpful, um, because every interaction, every social interaction either strengthens or weakens the relationship between all the individual people and then individually paired up and then as a group. And so when you have everybody in the group really needs to be complimenting the group instead of compromising the group. And so when it and that manifests in so many different ways that you can't just point at one thing. So I use the word, well, this person is very compromising and destabilizing to the group. That's a concern. We need to address that. Um, I've removed people for for the safety and stability of the rest of the group. I've left a group where I saw that safety and stability was not maintained, that not only was harm happening and perceived and allowed, um, it was often either unacknowledged, and I've even seen it defended. And so, and though there's no saving a group like that, except for me saving myself and going, I I can't be a part of this. Um, but also at the same time, like close friend dynamics where I've had multiple friends, this friend did something to a friend, this friend, and what he did was deeply hurtful to this friend. So I was like, you know what? This friend shows me who they really are. I'm done with that person because I've seen them do different things to different people that I'm not okay with. Um, those things would not have bothered me, but they bothered those other people. So I'm like, okay, I'm done with this person. But those people are still friends with them, and I'm not actually friends with any of them. So it, it, there's so many complex dynamics in in like what do we constitute as harm? But at the end of the day, like there's a thing that goes around on social media. I've seen a lot, which is the let them philosophy that um, let people, people are going to show you who they really are. And when they do, the hardest thing is to believe them and to uh, make your, to choose wisely based on what, because it's what they say, but the actions speak louder and they can say all the right things, but they can do all the wrong things. And I, I let them. And when they, I let them show me who they are, um, and then people change. And so, um, which is why that reconsideration should always be an, an issue, because the moment that that things become unhealthy or people become unhealthy, it's, you know, it's time to fire up the boundaries, I guess. So. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Kirk. Yeah, absolutely. Capper. I agree. Uh, there's a, you, you need to respect boundaries. Uh, that's absolutely important. Um, what I was thinking about, uh, has been forgotten. And anyways, once more. You're absolutely fine. Again, we can always circle back. Um, Elena. That made me think about a lot of different situations, but I think 
important is to look at the history of who is being accused and also the accuser and what their motives are. Like if say someone is like accused of like saying something like offensive, but they have a history of being really kind and compassionate and they made one mistake like a long time ago, that can be forgivable as long as they weren't physically hurting anyone. And also like I've had friends that have falsely accused other friends of doing things they haven't done before. So it's really a complex thing and you can't just take people's word for it. But then again, you can't like bury your head in the sand. So I don't know exactly the right answer. I think it's different for every person in every situation for sure. And that's a whole thing too. It's like you always want to believe somebody when they say that something happened to them because that's where you know your compassion comes in that somebody tells you that they're hurt and of course it's like oh my god who did this how can we help I am so sorry but then that's when you have to step in with the logic of it and go does this person have a history with this other person that might they might want to make something up or put them in a spot where they don't want them in that group. And I know this sounds super victim blame me, and I do not mean it that way at all. So, but there are times when you have to step back and evaluate the two people and go, is this, am I following what my heart tells me to follow? Or am I telling what, or am I doing what logic tells me to follow? All right, and Elena, your hand is back up. It makes me think of the saying, like, trust but verify. That's all I wanted to say. Exactly. You know, you, because like Capra said, people are going to tell on themselves, essentially. And most of the time, people who, who, severely hurt somebody have a history of it and you can find out people can't hide things from you not in not in this day of age of the internet and everything that you have you cannot hide anything from anybody anymore they will eventually find out so you know it might even be their first indiscretion but you you know when someone is a shitty person um zero Yeah, something to add, uh, kind of what uh, Elena said, um, acknowledge the situation and uh, reassure everyone, you know, we're trying to make people feel comfortable, um, make sure, you know, they're not um, out about it, you know, just reassure them. Uh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be cleared out. Um, it we got to take this situation serious, you know, um, and just let them know, you know, uh, most of us are adults. Uh, let's treat it like adults. Um, yeah. That's- awesome. Thank you. Um, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I do want to throw this out and it wasn't on the list of questions that I gave y'all, but it's more so if if it were somebody extremely close to you, say your partner or your best friend, somebody you've known for 20 years, 
how would you handle it if somebody came to you and told you that this person had um, victimized them, essentially? Capro. Um, I, I take the phrasing victimized um, to be very significant. Like, that's not just uh, you hurt my feelings. That was uh, some kind of physical victimization. Um, and um, yeah, I don't care who it is. I I, it, I do not care who it is. Um, it could be my spouse. It could be my brother. It could be one of my children. I don't care. Um, I would, I, again, the Colombo thing, I would ask questions. Like, I, I'm a parent. And I'm a parent of multiple children. And so anybody who has multiple kids knows that there's a, I don't know, invisible ghost that lives in the house that does all these things. And so I I grew up in a house with multiple kids. And I figured out very quickly that my parents were very good at asking, like, they could, they could narrow it down in like three questions to figure out who did it. And so, and I spent most of my childhood watching detective shows. And so maybe that had an influence. But ask, taking it seriously... Um, everything starts out as as a credible to go okay so like i i appreciate what you said about like i'm not trying to victim blame but false accusations are a real thing and so but that doesn't mean that we don't enter into this with this could be real we need to approach it accordingly um and address it and so depending on like what's what's the accusation specifically tell me about that have you filed a report have you talked to the police why not and and maybe you should like definitely you need to talk to somebody about this um how can i help you with this like what do you need um it would kill me um it would absolutely crush me if it was someone that close to me like any of the people that i mentioned but at the end of the day um, if someone close to me is is violating people and harming people significantly like that, it needs to be stopped. And I I I have a responsibility. Uh, I would take that. I would consider that a responsibility because I would expect anyone else to do that um, to prevent people closest to me from being harmed by someone else. So. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. Um, so we're at our hour is over. This was a quick hour. I loved it. Um, I'd like to thank everybody in the audience for spending this time with us to explore their topic. I'd also like to finish by pausing for just a minute so we can um, a moment to think about a take home idea related to the service topic. <clears throat> 